Welcome to Elevate Health Podcast, sponsored by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington, and One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, a subsidiary of Elevate Health. This episode features a community care conversation hosted by Robert Marshall Wells, Elevate Health's Director of Communications. Today's conversation focuses on Pierce County's opioid crisis. Robert's guest is Allie Torin, Opioid Task Force Specialist for the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. Now, here's our host, Robert Marshall Wells. Hello, I'm Rob Wells, host for this episode of Elevate Health's Community Care Conversations podcast. Our guest today is Allie Torin, Opioid Task Force Specialist for the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. Thanks for being with us today, Allie. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, get started in this way, if it's all right. You're an Opioid Task Force Specialist for TPCHD. And b- but before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Where are you from and all that? Give, yeah. give us the Ali Torrance story. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm from Minnesota. Um, I have lived everywhere, um, but I have uh, what kind of got me into this this work is my own lived experience. Um, I have lived experience with substance use disorder as well as um, having to watch my loved ones suffer and some of them die. Um, And so I have been, um, you know, when I lost one of my good friends, I was, (laughs) I decided that um, I really wanted to change the circumstances that killed him. Um, And so I got a, um, a degree in social and human services, certificates in chemical dependency, um, care navigation. I am a certified peer counselor. Whoa. Um, and I'm working on a degree in health and human services right now. Um, yeah, I worked as a peer counselor for a while, which was super awesome um, before I got into public health. And now here I am. Wow. Well, first of all, congratulations Thank on you. all of your accomplishments. And also, you know, kudos to you for making changes in your life. It's Thank you. Amazing. So what are some of the common myths or misconceptions about those who use opioids? You have lived experience. So what are the common things that people don't understand? Um, I think the most common one that, that we see is that it's their choice. Um, I think like, you know, the first few times maybe it is like, but you know, when I started using, it wasn't I wasn't thinking, oh, can't wait to to have a substance use disorder. I was thinking, wow, I'm in a lot of pain. This helps. Um, and after a while, it is not a choice. Um, you use against your better judgment, against your own wishes. You're like, why am I doing this? Um, I think there's a lot of shame out there for people who are using. And no matter how how badly... Um, people think of like people thought of me when I was using, I thought worse of myself. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think those are some of the big ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. You, you've touched on something that I wanted to ask you about, and that is the stigma associated with using. Um, what effect does that have on someone? You've alluded to it, but uh, I mean, it's not just the person, but it's others that mm-hmm. are 
putting that stigma on you. Could you talk to us about that landscape? Yeah. Um, I talk about this all the time because stigma is such a huge barrier for like everything substance use disorder. Um, so first of all, it's a barrier for people to even recognize um, like what's going on in their life. When I, uh, when I was using, I had no idea that it was considered a substance use disorder until I was in the hospital um, because you, that stigma, you get that caricaturized picture of what somebody with a substance use disorder looks like. And that doesn't look like me, a college kid, you know? Um, and so, um, yeah, so I never even recognized it. Could have, could have had a lot more help sooner. Um, and then the stigma just continues to keep people down. Um, you know, people need, need support. They need services. And when we're stigmatizing it, we're a lot less people are, are willing to support because they are like, you know, this is their choice. They made these choices. They get to deal with it. Um, yeah, it's, there are so many pieces to stigma that just, um, create so many barriers for so many people. Right. You mentioned that, uh, after recovery, you became a peer counselor. Mm -hmm. So how did that work? Could you first of all describe that work and then talk to us about how that helped prepare you for what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so a peer counselor is somebody who's kind of been there, um, who um, assists other people who are going through something. And peer counselors can be in any, any, um, field really like you know there are peers in cancer wards you know there are peers with mental health um there are peers of course in substance use disorder so as a substance use disorder peer and that just meant that i um i i met with a lot of other a lot of people in the community who are using or you know working on recovery um to to kind of like just be with them through their process. You know, like my recovery looks so different from everyone else's because we're all different people. Um, but yeah, just be there and hold their hand through the process because it's tough and it's nice to have somebody by your side that gets it. I, I mean, peers helped me. That's that's why I wanted to become a peer because uh, peers helped me so much. Um, and yeah, that that I feel like peers are just such an important voice to have in every part of this conversation, um, just because we have so much, like such a nuanced perspective mm -hmm. of this, you know, like, yeah, books and studies, awesome. That can give us a lot of like the science, but to really live it, um, that, that brings so much other knowledge and wisdom that is really needed when we talk about this. All right. All right. So you are now an opioid task force specialist. Mm -hmm. For those who might not be familiar, um, could you give us a brief overview of what uh, the Pierce County task force, the opioid task force is and what it does? Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your role. So first, give us the high level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Tacoma Pierce County opioid task force is um, a joint effort between Elevate Health and um, uh, the city of Tacoma, P 
Pierce County and Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. A few years ago, they recognized, all these entities recognized that we needed a coordinated response to this health crisis. Um, And so they came together, created the opioid task force, and now the opioid task force has five committees um, that work on various projects, uh, trying to better the lives of people who are using and, um, you know, things from direct care to policy changes. Um, and we sponsor two events every year. We do the, the Pierce County Opioid Summit and um, the International Overdose Awareness Day in Pierce County, which just happened uh, last week. It was super awesome. Um, yeah. Um, my days look different every day, so <laughs> it's a really fun job. Um, I just kind of help on whatever projects I can and, um, yeah. So what does that work entail? How do you, you say your, your work looks different every day. The job looks different every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you for an average day or a typical mm-hmm. day because it doesn't sound like there is one, but what <laughs> kind of, um, activities are you involved in? Yeah, so I do a lot of support for the committees, um, you know, like helping facilitate the meetings, agendas, all that. Um, and whatever projects and initiatives they're working on, I will help do the the legwork on that. Um, and then planning events like the overdose awareness events, um, going to a lot of events. We, we've handed out a lot of naloxone since I've started. I started in May. Uh, we've handed out about a thousand naloxone kits, which is the opioid overdose reversal medicine. Um, And yeah, it's just been a really awesome, awesome time. That's great. What's been the response? What's been the reception to um, your work in the community and the work of the task force in the community? I feel like the reception has been very good. Um, It has been like better than I would have imagined before I started this job. I think that's very different from, you know, just a few years ago. Um, And I think the reason for that is that it's gotten to a point where substance use disorder touches almost everybody's life in some way. It touches everyone in some way. And I think that makes a lot more people um, able to be more compassionate about it. And so I I just have seen like a shift in that culture. that people do want to want to hear us out and people are recognizing that like something needs to happen. What, what we've doing, what we've been doing hasn't been working, you know, um, and we need to do something else. Right. There seems to be less of a us and them mentality. Mm -hmm. At least that's the perception Mm -hmm. I get. What do you enjoy about your work, Allie? Um, Pretty much everything down to the spreadsheets. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I first and foremost feel very lucky to have come from where I came from and to be where I'm at and to be paid for something that I feel so passionate about. Um, it is just awesome to be able to do this uh, and to be in a position to do some good for a community that held me when I was down. They picked me up when I was down, um, took care of me. And so I get to get to give back and and fight for for them to get what they need. I also love that I uh, what my coworker always says, I'm surrounded by people who want to save the world. And it brings a lot of hope into my life. So, yeah. Despite that joy, what do you find challenging about the work? 
the challenge is that, you know, we we know what needs to happen, but it's not happening because we there's no funding, you know, or, you know, not a lot of funding. <laughs> um, and there are not a lot of services. So we have a huge need. We, you know, we see it everywhere. We know people need holistic, whole person services, which means um, like food, health care, all this stuff. We're seeing that this is what needs to happen, um, but it just isn't happening. Um, we want people to be taken care of, but there's really nowhere for a lot of people to go. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge. So how do you navigate those problems, those situations when you're dealing with someone in front of you who is is struggling? Be creative. Try to find creative ways to to meet whatever needs that they have. Um, give them the resources that we do have and help help them to access those resources. I mean, it's hard for people to even make a phone call sometimes to see if they can get on a list. Um, and so just holding their hand through that phone call, basically. Um, but recognizing like, and letting them know, hey, I wish it was different. <laughs> like, I wish there was there was more um, out there, but there isn't. Here are some like ideas on how you could, you know, start to meet that need until that service is available for you, you know. So creativity. Yes. Can you provide us maybe with a story? Uh, don't please don't divulge anyone's identity mm -hmm. or or break anyone's confidence. But are are there, is there an example that comes to mind of someone who has navigated or you have helped navigate the system and come out on the other side in a positive way? Oh yeah, I mean, as a peer counselor, that was a big big part of my my job. Um, yeah, we had a lot of people. I think those big ones are are even just waiting on people to be ready to make any changes. I mean, harm reduction is basically just being there and accepting people for where they're at and loving them because of it. Um, and so sometimes you just got to you just got to wait and wait and wait. And it's you know, you wait a couple of years and finally they're like, hey. I want to go to treatment. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, getting into treatment, super tough. Uh, you got to wake up every every morning at like, you know, whatever time the, the treatment center is like, call at this time every morning until we have a bed available. Um, so that's super tough. And then once they do have a bed available, it might have been three weeks and now that person's not ready to go anymore. We've had a few people where it's been like, yes, I'm ready. Okay, never mind. Okay, now I'm ready. And finally we get them in and they make such amazing changes in their life and they, you know, rebuild things that they have lost. Um, and you just get to see them flourish and use their their strengths because I think everyone has strengths no matter what circumstances they're in like when you're in active use um you're resourceful 
you know, you're you're strong, you get through really tough things, um, all of that stuff that just needs to be channeled um, in whatever way that, you know, they feel is helpful for them. For those who might not understand, can you explain or describe that that indecision? Um, you know, I'm ready. Well, no, I'm not ready. I'm ready now. Oh, well, no, I'm not ready today. What, what's going on there? What's that all about? So the indecision is is a big one that like people use substances for a reason. That substance often is your best friend. You know, the thing that helps you when you're down, when you know, when I was using it was because I was traumatized. And so it just helped relieve that trauma. And it's really, really scary to have to face those kinds of things head on. Um, And so it's like different every day on whether, you know, cause you know that that substance is not helping. Um, and you know that like every day you're, you're not happy with yourself when you're using it. Um, and you want to make this change, but also the, the path forward looks really, really scary. And it's something that like, you know, how do you even do these things without having that substance with you? Um, so yeah, it's really about jumping on that opportunity when somebody's ready because it's it's different every day. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This episode is supported by One Pierce, the investment arm of Elevate Health. One Pierce is a nonprofit community investment fund focused on improving whole person health, advancing health equity, and expanding health access for all the people of Pierce County. To learn more, visit us at onepierce.org. You talked about earlier, we know what we need to do, but we are not in a position or we do not yet have the will to do it. Is the answer more treatment opportunities? Is it more counselors? Is it, or is it not one thing? Is there not a silver bullet, but there are many things that need to occur? What, what if you could wave a magic wand, what would happen? I would say so many things. It's looking at the whole person, you know, like, um, I'm made up of a bunch of different parts and, you know, with anybody, it's not just a substance that got them into a tough circumstance. And it's not just a substance that's like taking away a substance that's going to get them out of that circumstance. Um, it's meeting their needs. Uh, cause I, you know, I have a theory that people use substances because some needs aren't met. Um, so it's meeting their needs, whatever those needs are. A lot of times it's socioeconomic needs. So having like a roof over your head, a lot of times a bed to sleep in, um, having your basic needs met, food, water, all of that, um, and treatment if if they feel like that is necessary you know like everyone's path looks different but i i wholeheartedly believe that it has to do with every part of a person we have to heal every single part of a person before we can have a lasting sustainable um health and well-being state of health and well-being right in your opinion have circumstances improved are they worse? Are they about the same? We've been at this whole opioid thing now for several years. Where are we on the continuum? 
in your opinion? I think there are a lot of things that have improved, but I think we're we're mostly um, in a worse off position um, because of fentanyl and the just the grip that it has on the community. Um, it's almost impossible to find any criminalized, you know, street drug. Uh, so like a powder pill or anything like that, that doesn't have fentanyl in it. Um, so that's, that's different from even back when I was using, um, we also, even though we've been like decades in this crisis, we still don't have the funding we still don't have the services that people need. Um, and we have people like way more increased rates of overdose. It's the it's the most, um, it's the highest rate of accidental death is overdose above like traffic accidents um, and anything like that. That is where we're at now. Um, and we just aren't meeting the need. And, you know, we're even seeing some of these services closing their doors um, that are so, so imperative to the community healing. So what are the long-term implications? If, if we maintain the status quo, from your perspective, what, what are the long-term implications for the community, for Pierce County? Um, I think it's just going to keep increasing. I mean, I, I also think that substance use disorder is um, a symptom of an even deeper issue where people aren't getting their needs met. Um, and the more that this happens, the more, you know, it's like... Tr- traumatic everything in the like pick something look around pick something that's it's tough to cope with in the world and you know more and more people are looking for for some solace um so i i just think it's going to keep increasing we're going to keep seeing people slip through the cracks that don't even have to be there um we could be filling in those cracks but we're not um and we're going to just see a lot more people die for for not a lot of good reason. Um, we could keep them alive and people need to to be alive to be able to recover. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you used an interesting term earlier in the conversation. You said we are in a health crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most of us have lived long enough to have heard about the war on crime and just say no. And Mm -hmm. now we're getting to a place where it's recognized as a health issue, uh, but yet we're not still not yet treating it as a health issue. Or am I mistaken in that? You are so correct. Uh, One example is that we're still criminalizing people for having a substance use disorder, putting people in jail for, you know, having... A substance on them, um, a personal amount even. What we know is that jail is not treatment. We don't treat any other health condition that way. Um, jail's not treatment. A record only creates more barriers. Um, yeah, that is how we're treating it right now. And it hasn't worked for how many, how many decades, <laughs> you know, it hasn't worked. If, if it, if it would if it was effective, it would have worked by now, you think. We're just not looking at it as a human thing. Um, we're not recognizing that all these numbers have humans behind it and have faces with hopes and dreams and quirks and family members and loved ones that, you know, love them, want the best for them, um, miss them when they're gone. 
Could it not be argued that we are spending the resources that you're talking about by um, incarcerating people and hiring law enforcement officers and lawyers and public defenders and building prisons and all mm-hmm. of that as opposed to redirecting the resources elsewhere? Or again, mm-hmm. am I mistaken? You're so right. Um, yeah, I think about that all the time where it's like you see all these funds going toward law enforcement and, you know, the justice system. Um you see all these resources that it's like, do you know how many lives we could actually save with that money? Like if we just sent some of that money over to social services, health services, the community would be doing so much better. Um, but we're not. We're, we're sending it to all these things that have been proven to not work. You know, um, it feels like we're just not learning. <laughs> You've been on both sides of this issue now for some time. Mm -hmm. In your current capacity, is there anything that you have seen or are seeing that you find surprising that you did not anticipate? Just the amount of people who are willing to listen, I think. The amount of people who who actually, like, um, want to see the community heal and want to learn about things that they don't know about because— you know, if you don't work in this field, it's you don't really know everything there is to know about it. That has surprised me. And just like, I mean, going out into the community and um, of course, I I uh, was in that community. I know how helpful they are, but it just is um, it always is a nice surprise to just see like everyone taking care of each other. Um, it's been a long time since I was in that community. So it just is like they're doing a great job taking care of each other, um, but we should be taking care of them. You know, we should be giving them um, the things that they need to to be successful. Yeah. For those um, audience members listening to this who may be close to someone who is using, um, what advice would you give them? I would say that it is not on you. It, we have to we have to respect everyone's choices. We can't control anyone, but we can control how we respond to them and we can choose to respond through love. You know, like we're never going to be able to control anyone's actions or what happens to them in their life that causes these things. Um but we can be a support for them and we can have boundaries too. Boundaries are important. We can recognize that we might not be the best support for them right now and give them uh, the number to a professional like the recovery helpline or um, big one. Um, if you're super worried about a loved one using a loan and possibly dying, give them the never use alone hotline, which is a hotline for people who are using if they're using a loan. Um, that is a huge risk for overdose and death because if you overdose, um, nobody is there to know uh, and nobody can call for help. So if they're on the phone, those the hotline professionals will um, they'll they'll sit on the phone with people and make sure that they're safe. Um, and so that's that's a big one. And then always carry naloxone. Always carry it. You don't even have to know anybody that uses opioids. Um, it's like a first aid kit item. 
you never know what's going on in people's lives. This this whole health condition is so stigmatized that a lot of people keep it secret. You wouldn't know. Um, and so it's better to to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. There are a lot of serious issues associated with this, but I'm wondering, is there one thing that keeps you awake at night? Is there one thing that you go to bed thinking about and you wake up in the morning, and you know, oh God. Mm-hmm. And if so, what is it? I would say it's that, you know, these these cracks, the the cracks that people are falling through can be filled. <laughs> people don't have to fall through those cracks. We don't have to let them. Um, that keeps me awake. It's just like, why aren't we, just, why aren't we doing more? We could be, you know, but it takes money and people believing, you know, that people can recover, they can get better and that their lives are, are worthwhile. Um, you know, these are people's loved ones and not just that, they have all these hopes and dreams, you know, it's like, we're we're missing out on a lot of amazing, amazing people. What call to action would you like to issue? You have the platform. <laughs> what what would you like people to know? What would you like people to do? Like I said before, always carry naloxone. You can um, you can go on stopoverdose.org um, to find naloxone near you. Um, again, if you know someone who's using the never use alone hotline, um, if you have young people in your life, talk to them. I promise they are not stupid. These, this is affecting young people at a super high rate. Um, and you want to make sure that those young people are safe. Um, you know, young people tend to experiment. That's, that's what happens when you're growing up. You know, you're you're learning new things. You're trying new things. Um, let's just make sure that they know how to keep themselves safe. Um, so you if you need a uh, assistance, you can go to talk even if um, talking even if dot com uh, and learn how to talk to those young people in your life. Um, last thing, join the opioid task force reach out to me. Uh, we, we love having all kinds of voices from the community uh, at our table. Um, it's important. It's a, you know, it's a community crisis and the community is going to solve it. Um, and so join us. <laughs> How can they reach you? Um, you can reach me at atorin at tpchd.org, A-T-O-R-E-N at tpchd.org. And the Never Use Alone hotline is 1-800-484-3731. Last question for you, Allie. What gives you hope? People. I love people. I think people are so creative, intelligent, um, amazing. Um, And especially the people who, uh, like, we're serving. It is just so incredible to see all their talents. Um, And I... Love to to see them have the opportunities to use those talents. Um, but yeah, I would just say it's it's the people. We're we're gonna solve this together. That's you know, that's what is gonna happen. It's not gonna be um, a snap of the fingers. But yeah, it's us coming together. And I know we can. And I know we all deep down love each other and want each other to do to do good. So yeah. 
Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for your positivity and thank you for your service to the community. Thank you. <laughs> Allie Torin, Opioid Task Force Specialist for the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. Please support the work of Elevate Health by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and by leaving a rating and review. Please also like, subscribe, or follow Elevate Health Podcast wherever you are listening so that you will never miss an episode. Allie, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. This episode of Elevate Health Podcast was produced by Robert Marshall Wells, Kelsey Horn, V. Whitmarsh, and Joshua Wiersma. Original music was composed by Riley Eggie, and the podcast was engineered and edited by Joshua Wiersma. Please support the work of Elevate Health by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and by leaving a rating and review. Please also like, subscribe, and follow Elevate Health Podcast wherever you are listening so that you will never miss an episode.